What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. The phone numbers, if you want to weigh in, 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallenershow.com, and that is K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Remember, get the podcast at WBT.com, and it comes right to your smartphone or tablet three times a day. Basically, we take all the commercials out, send it up as a podcast, and then you can listen on demand whenever it is most convenient for you. Um, but we put it out like at 1, 2, and 3 o'clock right after the show ends. All right, so how much have you heard about what happened at the January 6th uh, show trial yesterday? And I don't mean that to dismiss all of the findings and all of the information, but let's be honest. I mean, it, it is a show trial, right? That's because it's not a real trial, and there's no um, there's no adversarial format, as I've Repeatedly said, there's no way to cross-examine uh, or interrogate people. There are no countervailing pieces of evidence that get brought in to undermine credibility or impeach credibility. So because of that, it doesn't, it doesn't have credibility as a, uh, a fact-finding proceeding, in my view. It lacks credibility. That is not to say, though, that there isn't new information that uh, that came out yesterday specifically, because up until yesterday, there w- wasn't really a whole lot that I wasn't really aware of, at least at, at the very least in broad strokes. Some of it, some of the details, absolutely, we knew about. We all know Donald Trump does not accept the results of the 2020 election. We all know that he uh, has been very vocal about that and trying to get people to investigate it and trying to uh, get people to block the swearing in of uh, or the appointing of the electors, the, the counting of the electors. Wanted Mike Pence to do that. And they had all these different ways and, and methods that they were you know, exploring. And just because they were bad ideas doesn't mean that uh, that they weren't his. And also the fact that they were bad ideas or bad strategy um, doesn't mean that they didn't think they would work. Although John Eastman apparently didn't think it would work either. Uh but they pursued them nonetheless. Um, so how much about yesterday's testimony have you heard? Now, if you've been listening to WBT, you heard Vince Coakley, I thought, did a very good job of outlining uh, a lot of the high points uh, from Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony yesterday. And uh, again, not cross-examined. But some of the stuff she said is impeachable. And some of the stuff she said is pretty bad. There were some new pieces of information. So I guess I need to ask, I guess I need to ask this question first. Are you even persuadable about any of this? Are you persuadable? Do you have an open mind about anything that might come out of the proceeding? Are you interested to learn anything new about what might have happened or what did happen on January 6th? And I don't know because I wasn't there. But I also don't know details before a trial, a real trial, a criminal trial. I don't know those details, but I do know that people get indicted based on processes very similar to what we're seeing. That's what they're doing. That's my equivalence here is between this J6 show trial and an indictment proceeding. 
Although the congressional uh, people, they've got way more latitude than a DA would have. But that's the deal. Like we we don't get to present the defense in the grand jury testimony. It's just the prosecution in there. They're the only ones in there. They get to make the case to the grand jury. And then the grand jury says, yeah, we think there's enough of a reason to pursue this. And then they then they can, you know, indict people and go to trial. And I suspect that's kind of what's going on, except not necessarily for a criminal prosecution, but to put this out for all people to see prior to 2024. I think that's what's going on. Now, I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. I think there are some people that would prefer that Trump not run. And there are some people on both sides, by the way. There are some people on both sides that would prefer he do run. So it's hard to gauge, you know, the the motivation behind some of the strategy here. Is there anything that could come out of this um, this proceeding, these hearings, that could change your mind? Would anything change your mind? Some of the stuff that Cassidy Hutchinson uh, testified to, and keep in mind, she did this under oath for whatever that means. Uh, and see, this is part of the problem when you have this systemic and sustained undermining of our legal system, our judicial system, people never held to account for perjury, for, you know, people who go in front of Congress and they lie in front of Congress and nothing ever happens to them. And this has been going on for years. And people on the right have seen Democrat administration officials get by lying to Congress for my entire life, that I've been paying attention my entire adult life, my professional life. This has been a criticism all the time. Um, People lie to Congress and are never held to account. So it's very difficult then for folks on the left, I think, and media, but I repeat myself, to to then turn around to folks on the right and say, well, hey, your guys, they lied, and so we need to go after them. The difference in the treatment, based on what I can only determine to be political affiliation or politics, right, it is evident It is evident. For example, how many people have been prosecuted for the targeting of Americans during the uh, 2010 election? Anybody in that administration, in the Obama administration? Oh, come on, Pete. That was 12 years ago. Yeah, it was, but I remember it. And the, the scandal that it was and how it was minimized and dismissed, but that was in order to influence an election. The rise of the Tea Party. And as these groups were organizing, grassroots groups were organizing, just citizens. And the Obama administration turned the power of the state against the citizens in order to block them or erect obstacles at the very least to letting them participate fully in the political process in that election. Anybody ever get charged with anything there? Anybody go to jail? No. Everybody, everybody got their pensions. How about the uh, targeting of the Donald Trump campaign? What is quite obviously a conspiracy between multiple people at various intel agencies and the Democratic Party and lawyers uh, for the Democratic Party. Scary stuff. Other nations, intel uh, services or agents or affiliates or confidential informants or whatever that fed information that helped advance that narrative all in an effort to what? 
to sway an election? Or how about the maintenance of a, uh, a homebrew server, which the existence of that server proves the illegality of what was going on. That's the smoking gun. Everybody talks about, oh, Hillary Clinton's emails. Wasn't the emails. It was the server. But nobody, and look, I'm not a brilliant guy, okay? But I apparently am smarter or I'm more curious than people that are reporters on that story and were reporters on that story. I don't understand why you just kind of gloss right over the, the fact that the presence of the server itself was the crime. That was the point. Why? Because if you have the server, then you can delete all of the contents of said server without a trace. You have complete control. This ain't a Gmail account. This is your account. You have the server. You maintain it. When you wipe it, it's gone forever. That's the benefit of maintaining your own server. So it's not the emails. It was the server. So anybody ever held uh, held to account for that? Crossfire Hurricane the FISA warrants, right? So it's very difficult now to get the people that have been targeted by these types of acts and the the people who did the targeting have gone unpunished. It's very difficult to now turn to folks like me and say, I have to hold a consistent standard and I have to go after people on the right. That's difficult. That's a difficult sell to me. But lucky for the lefties, I do try to maintain a consistent standard. And so that's why I'm going to go over the January 6th hearing testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson. And I don't know, maybe you're not persuadable. That's fine. I'm not trying to persuade you. But if you're going to have the arguments, you're going to have these debates, you should be armed with the information. So I'll give that to you up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Email is Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. And the phone numbers are 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I got an email from Joseph who says, I don't care about the January 6th hearing. I'm not persuadable. After the sinister lockdowns and state-sanctioned riots of 2020, there's nothing that would make me support this government. January 6th was a nothing burger in light of the crimes the system committed against ordinary Americans in the name of COVID or racial justice. I'm done with Trump, too. But if he runs and gets the nod, I will vote for him purely out of spite. Let me go over here to George. Welcome to the program. Hello, George. Hey, Pete. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the Democrats are thinking. I mean, they're trying to keep Donald Trump from running for president. Right. I mean, that's that's how it looks. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Well, uh, maybe not. But that's what everybody's saying. I'm I'm saying as a Republican who would like to win this election, I only see one way to lose it. And that is. Uh Oh, George, are you there? Well, that's a cliffhanger. Wow. George. George. Oh, man. He said there's only one way to lose it, and now we've lost him. Is it a bit? Oh. Oh, I get it. There's only one way. There's only one way to lose it, and that's a bad cell reception. That's obviously. That's the way you lose the. I put him on hold. Uh, maybe you get back into a better cell. George, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with the phone, but. Um, 
there was the so the strategy on on the way this is being handled. Um, a couple things, and again, I don't know who's got the motivation for which particular course or tactic here. I, I, I'm not pretending to, but I can see sort of the different angles here that might motivate. For example, Democrats hope that if you focus on Donald Trump, it's going to divert attention away from Joe Biden. And there are some Democrats who think that if Trump gets the nomination, he's going to be the easier person to beat, especially if Biden is running for reelection. But I don't know. I don't think that's accurate. I, I have no idea, but I just be careful what you wish for, you know. Now, there are Republicans on the other side that are hoping that this takes down Trump and so he doesn't run again. That this is the shot across the bow and just put it all out there so everybody knows and then people can use all this information to try to make sure that he doesn't run again or that if he does, that he loses in the primary. I don't know. We got him back. Let's see. George, are you back? Can you hear me now? Yeah, all I right. apologize. No worries. All right, no, so that was quite the cliffhanger you left us with, though. You said there's only one way that Republicans could lose, and then your signal died. So what's the one way? I, I think you know the way. If there's one person, there's only one person in my mind that could actually lose the next presidential election for the Republicans. And I hate it. I hate to say it because I think he did a good job. Donald so Trump. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> so so you're without saying it, you're saying if Donald Trump is the nominee, you think that's the only way Republicans lose. Yeah, I think we could beat him with a yellow dog. Yeah, uh, well, especially if it's Biden running again. Well, I, I tend Biden. to. He's, he's too old. But it, but whoever doesn't matter. Their, mm-hmm. their record is is so bad. And this is not a partisan statement. This is just fact. They're going to get creamed unless we try to drag the soccer moms back into trying to vote for this guy and they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of moderates and independents and uh, Republican women, generally the soccer moms, suburban moms, like you said. Yeah. I think that they are the most persuadable, the most fickle, if you will, less loyal, least loyal. Um, and so I think they, they do not want to have to make that choice again. Now, some of them may make a different choice this time around, right? If it is, Trump versus Biden, the rematch. This time it's personal. Like maybe then they make a different choice because they've seen Biden's two years in action or four years at that point, and they, you know, they don't want any more of it. That's possible. I think that's a big gamble, though. I don't know if I'd go along with that. I don't think they're going to run Biden because that, that's a guarantee for them to lose even past where they're already guaranteed. But I, yeah. I, I just think he brought too much nonsense with him, and people, people don't want to go back there. No, I think that's fair. I hear the sentiment uh, quite a bit. George, I appreciate the call, sir. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. All right, take care. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT got a tweet from Andy who says, if they aren't trying to keep Trump from being president, they sure are trying to make sure no GOP can get a job in D.C. if they got within a half a mile of Trump. I believe that is part of it as well. Absolutely. Uh, we mentioned that, what was it, yesterday when we went through this with the, uh, yeah, with the Federalist piece where they had the quote from, what was his name, Colston, I think, uh, the guy who was, uh, yeah, White House, uh, the guy 
Andrew Colster, he's responsible for coordinating senior DOJ appointments, and he said um, that that's his take on what's going on here, but them going after all of these lower-level uh, DOJ people and what they did to the other guy, Klukowski, I think was his name from yesterday, um, that the, the message is going out. They will destroy you, making it impossible to get into or out of government employment. Uh, all right, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, did you hear any of the testimony? Uh, are, are you persuadable on any of this? Uh, are you able to change your mind based on any information that comes out of this thing um, or not? Have you already seen enough, heard enough? You don't trust anybody, as a, a one emailer noted earlier. Let me go over here to Mike. Welcome to the program. Hey, Mike. Hey. Enjoy hey. the show today. Thanks. Uh, I told your call screener that I, I worked in the White House uh, as a military man back in the 70s, a uh, very interesting area. Hmm. Um, for what he, what Cassie said that she was re- referring to, that the president grabbed the steering wheel. Yeah. In that vehicle, it's not, it's, it's not impossible, but it's very, very highly unlikely that he could even reach it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that credibility to me took her right out of it. Right. And, and that's the fact a that second hand even makes it worse. Yeah, that's a big problem. Although so the hearsay line of uh, argument on that. So for folks who aren't aware, uh, I will tell the story in a, in a minute. But um, the hearsay line of the argument uh, does make some sense to me. And uh, and I'm sympathetic to it. Um, I, I, I see its merits. However, there's also, you know, the fact that uh, the head of the Secret Service, uh, or NATO, I believe was his name, and the guy who was driving the car, the agent that was driving the car, uh, I think his name was uh, Elder, or no, I'm getting it, Engel, Bobby Engel. And uh, he's driving the car, and they both debriefed Hutchinson. So they came in and told, and, and Ornato told Hutchinson with Engel standing right there. So that's, that's, so hearsay, yes, but to a large degree, he's giving a debrief on what occurred, and that's sort of chain of command kind of stuff, right? So you're supposed to pass along that information so it gets up the food chain, right? Right. So well, I'm telling you, I've been around that stuff enough when I was there. I was there through the last part of Nixon, through Ford, and the beginning of Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been on Air Force One. I've been on HMX One. I've been on a lot of the stuff that they have and in the White House, I'm telling you, it's very difficult for where the president is supposed to sit in that vehicle for him to reach the steering wheel. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that part of it. This is a, this is a, a big problem, uh, particularly also the Secret Service came out and said that that didn't happen. So now they're impeaching her credibility on that front as well. So th- And this is part of the limitation that you get when you set up a, a hearing as they have designed to indict, not to actually find truth now because now yeah i mean like yeah because to your point uh, you know trump says he didn't do this i've heard other people mention just like you have that he he physically can't reach over and get the steering wheel you can't reach it so i i don't i don't know what to make of this now except somebody isn't telling the truth right we don't know who that somebody is but somebody isn't if if you tell a lie on part of it or you're telling the truth on any other part it's questionable. Right. That's why, yeah, the witness becomes impeached for all of their testimony if 
something like that occurs. Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, Mike, I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. Take care. Um, let me tell the story here. Um, it's a very lengthy piece. This is the problem. I'm an over highlighter. Uh, all right. So they're at the event um, and Trump gets up on the stage and gives his comments and stuff. Uh, and then he's like, you know, we're going to go to the and apparently this was a big point of contention, big debate about whether or not he was going to, quote, march or in some way proceed down to the Capitol. And. um. Hutchinson assured Kevin McCarthy, who called immediately after he heard Trump tell the crowd that they were going to be marching on the Capitol and he'd be going with them. McCarthy calls up and Hutchinson answers and uh, McCarthy says, hey, he was promised Trump would not do that. But I just heard him say it in the speech and Hutchinson assured him it would not happen. But it was happening. At least the planning for it was concrete and well underway. The records of the Secret Service and National Security Council, which was watching things unfold in real time, indicate that plans were being made on the fly for Trump to go to the Capitol, to march there perhaps, or go by car. In fact, these agencies assumed that once Trump ended his speech at 10 past 1 p.m., that he was on his way to the Hill. It was just a matter of finding the best route. Immediately following the speech, Trump entered the beast. That's the big limo, the SUV. And he says, quote, take me to the bleeping Capitol. But the Secret Service, Bobby Engel says it was too dangerous. Trump became irate, railing, quote, I'm the bleeping president. Take me up to the Capitol now. This is according to Tony Ornato, the Secret Service official who ran White House security operations. This is what he told Hutchinson. And that's what she this is what she is saying. She is relaying this. That's why it's hearsay. Um, Engel, according to, so Hutchinson says, or Nato told her that Engel told him that's when things got physical. Trump was said to have lunged forward from the backseat and grabbed the steering wheel, prompting Engel to grasp the president's arm and state, quote, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering, steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Hutchinson was told that at that point, Trump lunged at Engel his free hand forcibly aimed at the agent's clavicle, his throat, his, right. Then things de-escalated, not sure how, and the limo went back to the White House, not the Capitol. Now, is it possible? I'm just going to throw this out there. I find this story to be not credible for one reason and one reason only. Have you seen the size of Donald Trump's hands? They're so small. There's not, how could he even, okay, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Just a joke. <clears throat> That's why I play the rim shot. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All righty, so let me go um, sort of, I'll reset this too at the beginning of the next hour because uh, we've kind of been all over the map as I tend to be on this sort of stuff. I've got a piece from Andrew McCarthy. I think he does very good analysis. I think he's a little bit too, not in love, but maybe just in like with uh, Liz Cheney. Um, But I've always respected him and his arguments. Even when I disagree with him, I think he's a brilliant mind. Um, But I also have uh, sort of a response from Tristan Justice over at thefederalist.com, who's the 
Western correspondent for The Federalist. He worked at The Washington Examiner as well as The Daily Signal and Real Clear Politics, Fox News. So uh, I, I have respect for him as well, but he disagrees with some of what uh, McCarthy uh, writes about. And it's a very lengthy write-up. But here is uh, so, and he and he walks through. So if you have, if you did not read or hear the testimony yesterday um, from Cassidy Hutchinson, who was Mark Meadows's top aide, um, Andrew McCarthy gives, I think, a fair write up of what it was. The testimony that was in this session that was abruptly called, reportedly due to concerns about her safety was devastating, he says, because it was directly about the former president. The day's lone witness pulled back the curtain that countless advisors and aides kept around the mercurial Trump for four years. There are significant questions about aspects of her account, particularly where it involved hearsay, things she had been told about the president's actions as opposed to the things that she herself witnessed. We also have to reserve judgment, even allowing that she seems impressive, Because the highly partisan, unapologetically anti-Trump committee merely presents its side of the story and has gone to unseemly lengths to exclude cross-examination and alternative perspectives. All in all, though, Hutchinson showed the nation moment by moment what Trump was like on a day when he was at his worst. So putting together the timeline is always important. And so... She was at a nexus point for a lot of these different events and, and people. And so if you're building the what's called the TikTok, the chronology, right? If you're building that, then she advances that from a, like an, if it were a lawsuit or a trial or something. This is a very effective way to build a timeline. It's also a very effective way to do it in journalism is to build the timeline so people can follow along what's happening, when and where and how they relate. So. First up, we talked about this when we uh, when we listened um, to the testimony. It was ha- as it was happening. The magnetometers or magnetometers, whatever. Yeah, um, the mags. These things. Th- this was the security that was set up. So when Trump got there, uh, he had security, and he got mad at that because it was thinning out the the throngs of people that were close to the podium where he would be speaking. Trump was mad because of the effect that this would have on the shot. In other words, the TV angles, right? The pictures. He wanted to be surrounded by lots of lots of people. The video image of his speech would go out to the world. He wanted it to be packed with all these uh, people in an overflowing crowd. He wanted to convey the impression, the reality of a rabid mob, furious that the election had been stolen, furious that Congress was poised to count the fraudulent electoral votes, and pronounce Joe Biden the winner, right? That's what he wanted. I don't think anybody can deny that. He said that. The magnetometers were vital for security, despite it being obvious that the mags would detect weapons. Many fanatics went through these security devices anyway. And the cops seized knives, clubs, toxic sprays, brass knuckles, all sorts of stuff. But security said that they were really more worried about the mobs outside of that perimeter, the fanatics who chose not to go through the mags because they were armed with deadlier weapons. They played during this 
hearing yesterday communications traffic among the security forces, along with video depicting gunmen who were spotted in trees and elsewhere out on the mall. I have not seen that. This is what Andrew McCarthy is reporting to us. The president of the United... And I don't know if there were gunmen. I don't know if people brought these weapons. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Doesn't matter. What matters is that this is what the security detail was worried about, and that's what they were telling the president, right? The president, though, was still mad because the armed mob was being kept away. And so he was mad about the shot being ruined, the optics. Does that sound like Donald Trump to you? It does to me. He said, quote, take the bleeping mags away. They're not here to hurt me. They can come in. Then they can march on the Capitol. Now, Hutchinson was on scene for that. She said this happened two or three minutes before he walked up to the podium. So that's a problem, I think. It's true, right? The mob wasn't there to hurt him. But so what does that mean? It means that he knew that they were there and that they could pose a threat. They could pose a danger, but not to him. They can march on the Capitol, he says. That is new information. To me, that's, that's, this is the worst part. It's not even about the grabbing the steering wheel, all that stuff, whatever. That, this is the worst part. Now, Andrew McCarthy points out, he's not that, you know, legal analyst and him included, they don't defend the speech, but they point out that this does not meet the legal test for incitement. Trump makes grudging references to protesting peacefully. And by the way, Liz Cheney ignores all of that, further undermining her own credibility. Trump's words may not have been incitement as a matter of law, but that doesn't mean they're not evidence of other potential crimes, especially once you are informed about how fully aware he was about the mob being armed. It is a crime. To take just uh, one example, it is a crime to aid and abet the forcible intimidation of government officials, including, say, the vice president or members of Congress. See, that is a crime. And there were efforts ahead of time to get Trump to change the language of his prepared remarks in order to avoid being charged with some sort of incitement charge. So they knew this going in. That's new information.